Hi, and welcome to the Homeschool Snapshots podcast. I'm Pam Barnhill, your host, and this is the podcast that gives you a peek into the lives of the homeschoolers next door. Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode 12 of the podcast. Well, we have been spending some time practicing poetic knowledge this spring. I don't know about you, but a lot of times in spring, I get a little bit antsy And so I like to schedule more field trips in the springtime of year. So last week, we got to travel up to the capital of our state, Montgomery, and visit the art museum there for the very first time. It's on the grounds of the Alabama Shakespeare Festival, which we've visited a number of times because we're big theater fans and big fans of Shakespeare. But this was the very first time we had gotten a chance to go into the art museum. They have a really great children's section there, and the kids got to explore all kinds of artistic concepts in that children's section in a hands-on way. And then we also toured the gallery there and had a nice time spending about a couple of hours in that museum. Then the next day, we traveled on to a place a little bit south of Birmingham, which if you are anywhere within, I would say, probably a good five-hour drive of Birmingham, Alabama. This would be worth your trip. It is called the American Village. It's AmericanVillage.org. And there they do reenactments of events from the revolutionary period of American history. And we just had the best trip. My oldest son got to be a revolutionary spy. We all got to take part in a reenactment of the Boston Tea Party. And my littlest guy even got a chance to play Paul Revere riding through the streets of the areas outside of Boston between Boston and Lexington and Concord yelling the Redcoats are coming. And I think that's an experience that he's not going to forget for a very long time. So we had a really great time. And I love the fact that homeschooling gives us the flexibility to learn in that way and not just have to be sitting at a desk all the time. Well, today's interview is one that I am super excited about because it was our very first listener-requested interview. I had a listener write me back in February and request that I have Jamie from The Unlikely Homeschooler on the show, and this just thrills me to no end. So first of all, if you have anybody that you would like for me to interview and have on the show, please be sure to drop me an email at pam at edsnapshots.com and let me know who you would like for me to interview. But also because Jamie was just such a fun person to talk to. She's a sweet spirit and she just really embraces the freedom that she has in her homeschooling. The freedom she has to study the things she wants to with her kids and plan the kinds of lessons that she wants to plan. So it was a lot of fun to talk to her about being eclectic and doing the kinds of studies that makes her family happy. So I think you're really going to enjoy this one, and we'll be right into it right after this message from our sponsor. Today's episode of the podcast is sponsored by All About Learning Press. All About Learning Press is the publisher of All About Reading and All About Spelling. And these are the reading and spelling programs that we use in our home. In fact, we just had a really big milestone. My son finished All About Reading 1 very recently, and what that means in our house is that you get to start All About Reading 2, but you also get to start All About Spelling 1, and he's kind of excited about this, starting this new spelling program. I'm kind of excited, too, because he has such a great phonics foundation 
from All About Reading One that I can see the wheels turning in there. And I think the spelling is actually going to be something that he really gets into doing. It's something that I hesitate to use the word easy for him. I can see the clicking, the wheels clicking in there already that he's going to get it. One of the things I love about All About Spelling is the fact that it is open and go for me, the mom. It's scripted. I don't have to read the script exactly, but it's there if I want it. But the entire lesson, all I have to do is open up the book and I know exactly what I'm supposed to be saying. My kids really love the fact that the tiles are hands-on and they get to move the tiles around before they go on and write the words on paper. All About Learning has provided a link to a freebie for us. It is their brand new Six Ways We Make Spelling Easy report. So I invite you to click over and get a copy of that download and let them help you out a little bit, making spelling just a little bit easier in your home. And now on with the episode. Jamie homeschools her four children and shares it all with her readers at her blog, The Unlikely Homeschooler. This former teacher loves pretty stationery, a good chocolate mocha, and eclectic homeschooling. Hi, Jamie, and welcome to the podcast. Hi, Pam. Thanks for having me. Glad to be here. I'm glad to have you. Could you start by telling me a little bit about your family? Well, my husband and I have been married for 13 years, and we have five kids whom we've homeschooled from the very beginning. We have a sixth grade girl who's 11, a nine-year-old third grade boy, a six-year-old second grade boy, a five-year-old kindergartner, and then we have a two-year-old little shadow. Awesome. Well, how did you get started homeschooling? Because I know that I read you were a former teacher. Yes, that's true. It's funny that you should ask because I remember back in my teaching days, my mother-in-law taking me aside and she homeschooled. So my husband was homeschooled from sixth grade on. So we could consider us second generation homeschoolers. Oh, wow. She took me aside once. And I think this was even before I even had kids and just kind of threw out the question, would I ever consider homeschooling? And I kind of giggled, I think, (laughs) and said, oh, absolutely not. Uh, Famous last words. And I think at the time, it was more that I felt like I had the perfect gig for a mom as a teacher. You know, I had this, I would have the same working hours as they would school hours, and we'd have summers off together. And it just seemed like that would be the perfect plan. If you were to ask me right now why I decided to homeschool, I'd probably give you a lengthy list of reasons. But I really think way back when, eight years ago when we started, the answer was just really simple. I had this little girl who I just adored and loved and loved making memories with her. And I knew that because I had been a school teacher for so many years, I knew that so much of that memory making and that those lasting connections would be made with someone else for six hours of the day. And I would just kind of get the highlights at the end of the day at three o'clock when I'd pick her up or what have you. And and so I guess really and truly eight years ago when we made that decision, it was really just I simply loved her and wanted to spend time with her. That's a great story. <laughs> and you know, it's funny you say you would get the highlights at the end of the day. That would be if you were lucky. Yeah, exactly. You know, I know that from teaching. Yeah, at the end of the day, the kids are tired and and they don't, they're kind of spent of all their words. And I didn't want her to be spent of all her words. I wanted to share those experiences with her. So. And so you started homeschooling and you've been doing it ever since. Yes. Yeah. And we, we love it. Great. Well, I'm going to start you off with a multiple choice question. Okay. Your homeschool day is most like which literary classic? 
Is it A, The Odyssey, B, Little Women, C, Swiss Family Robinson, or D, Lord of the Flies? Oh, goodness. Let's see. I'd have to say Swiss Family Robinson with four boys every single day is an adventure around here. So, yeah. Oh, I can imagine. (laughs) Well, speaking of Swiss Family Robinson, if you were going to be stranded on a deserted island, what three things would you take with you to homeschool? Okay. Hmm. Well, first and foremost, I take my Bible. Start our day always with that. So that's kind of a no brainer. Then, uh, is there YouTube on this island? (laughs) Uh, We YouTube a lot, at least once a day. If I couldn't take YouTube, I'd definitely take my homeschool planner. That's kind of like my second brain. I think I'd forget my whole life without it. And then my library card. (laughs) (laughs) For the non-existent library. Exactly. It would be really hard to homeschool without a library, I must say. Yeah, really. What's the biggest challenge you face as a homeschooler? I think for me, it's that I have a wide range of kids. And I think it's, we spend so much of our day actually homeschooling and doing activities for the older kids. And so it's such a balance of pouring into the older ones and their passions while still being mother and mommy to this little one who desperately wants to be in the mix, in the action. So just finding places and pockets in the day for him to be a part of things and then being able to sort of take off my teacher hat and put on my mommy hat and just investing in him. It's really easy now that we're four of them are homeschooling to sort of forget that he really just wants to snuggle and read books on the couch. And and I had the luxury of doing that with my older ones when they were, you know, two and three years old. So I think that's my struggles, finding the balance between teacher and mommy. Yeah, I think that's a common struggle for a lot of people because I know with my little guy who's five, he's an October birthday. And yeah, he just doesn't get the same kind of even preschool experience that the other guys got because there's so much to do with them that it's hard to fit it in. And for those of us who have older kids, you know, it's we have to remind ourselves that there's so much that those little ones are getting that our older ones did not. I mean, they certainly have the benefit of having older siblings that will read to them and play games with them. And Mm -hmm. they are getting so many wonderful advantages that the older ones didn't have. So we have to remind ourselves of that. Yeah, that's true. And we tend to lay a lot of mommy guilt on ourselves no matter what. Jamie, what is your favorite family read aloud ever? Well, I think if I had to choose, it would be Sarah Plain and Tall. I just love the simplicity and the cadence of the words in that book. But I think if my kids were given the choice... They probably would choose Rabbit Hill. I don't, it's kind of an unfamiliar, lesser known book, but we read it a couple summers ago and they still talk about it and still sort of reenact the scenes from that book. So, Rabbit Hill. Well, do you have any homeschooling pet peeves? Probably like everyone else, the, you know, are your kids socialized? That question you always get when you're out and about in the community during school hours and, Wondering why the same people who just had a really nice conversation with your child. Exactly, exactly. But then probably even more so than that, just the idea that moms have that homeschooling is going to be the salvation of their kids, that Mm -hmm. homeschooled kids are so much better behaved and they put all this pressure on themselves and other people put pressure on them 
their kids to behave a certain way or to be a certain way because they're homeschooled. Mm -hmm. And what we forget is that they're still people, they're still sinners, they're still just regular kids who are going to act like kids. Right. Yeah. You know, nobody has ever said that to me, but that is such a great point that some of the stereotypes, I mean, we joke about some of the negative stereotypes of homeschoolers and we joke about the denim jumpers and things like that. But I think probably one of the more harmful stereotypes about homeschoolers are kind of the extremes. You're either going to have somebody who's completely uneducated or you're going to have somebody who is at Harvard at 12. Yeah. And honestly, most of us fall really in the middle of that. And the kids are just normal people. Right. It's just the, an educational choice we've chosen, a path we've chosen. It doesn't necessarily mean our kids are going to be geniuses or the most well-behaved or always choose the right way. They're still kids, and we have to give them the grace and the license to be kids. Jamie, fill in the blank for me. If my grown child blank, I will have succeeded as a homeschooling mom. If my grown child can love God and serve him with abandon in a radical way, I feel like I would have succeeded. And what are you doing to move your children in that direction? I think really centering all of their education around a biblical worldview and fostering a love for God and love for others, a love for missions. And I think that's one of the benefits that I have of homeschooling is that, yes, I really do focus on academics. I think obviously with school, that's a good priority to have. But I think with that, I can teach the whole child, including to their heart and their soul and their mind and and really foster a love for God and his word. What is one thing that's in your Amazon cart right now? A book that I'm currently reading that I know I will want to own. It's called Healthy at Home. I'm sort of getting into some natural home keeping and it's just been a great resource. So I have that and a bunch of other sort of natural home resources. Are you going to be writing about that on the blog? I do a little bit. I've been hesitant to write too much because it's a work in progress. I've been at this journey for about three or four years and I don't really feel like quite an expert yet. So yes, someday I'll add more, but there is a little bit there. I love that little mama reading in the Amazon card. Yep. Yep. Good. Well, when do you start planning for your next school year? I know you're a planner. Yes. I don't think I ever stop planning for (laughs) the next school year. I think I'm planning for the next school year at the start of the first one. I always come upon great books and great resources. So I sort of keep a running list of things that I would like to do. And then come, oh, I don't know, March, right about this time, then I really put some passion into it and really get going with making my list of curriculum I'd like to investigate and gearing up for homeschool conventions and all of that. So yeah, there is a definitive time in March where I start being a little bit more purposeful with my planning, but I'm always looking ahead. Even years down the road, I have things, books in mind for someday, shall we say, Mm -hmm. for my kids. They're not quite there yet, and those resources won't be needed for a few years, but I'm always looking ahead and have a plan or a purpose for materials for someday. Well, I know that you toyed with Tapestry of Grace earlier this year because you wrote a little bit about it on on the blog, but you wouldn't really consider yourself a four-year cycle kind of person, would you? No, I think I'm too eclectic for that. And maybe that I thought Tapestry of Grace was great. It just wasn't great for us. And so I think that 
I own my eclectic homeschooling way too much to be sort of strapped to one curriculum for four years. I put a lot of value in a lot of different curriculums and a lot of different methods because every child's different and every year is different and every season is different. And so I really can't strap myself to any one particular mantra or curriculum for very long. Yeah, that was very much the feeling I got when looking over your blog. I'm like, here is a woman who embraces her eclectic nature when it comes to homeschooling and really seems to make the most of it. Yeah. And I think that in planning and really planning for the long term, you know, you can be eclectic and miss the boat on a lot of things because things fall through the crack or you're jumping around from curriculum to curriculum too much or yeah, you you just miss bits and pieces of an education. But I think in planning long term, you can still jump around, but you have this long goal in mind. You can see it laid out for you, the broad scope and the broad plan. So yeah, I think because I plan so far in advance, I can embrace my eclectic sort of random haphazard put together curriculum pretty well. Are you pretty flexible with those plans? I mean, if you, if you have something going on down the road for three years from now and you get to that point, you're like, yeah, you know, maybe not. Oh, yeah, definitely. I feel like a mom has to be so flexible. She's fluid, and especially if she's a homeschooler. And I think really that's providing the very best education for your kids. In fact, right around this time, around March, when I'm gearing up for our annual convention, I always sit down with my kids and go over just a random list of questions that I sort of prepared a few years ago to help them brainstorm different things that they would like to learn because after all, it is their education. And so I might have my best laid plans put forth, but I have to remember that they have plans of their own and they have passions of their own. And so sometimes I might have this great curriculum in mind that I'd like to investigate for next year. And then lo and behold, you know, one of my kids doesn't want to study dinosaurs next year. They want to study, you know, the planets or whatever. And so I have to be so flexible that I'm almost fluid, that I can bend and move to their passions and their directions and and their natural giftednesses and, and abilities. Well, with something like that, do you keep all of the kids together? Or if child B comes up and says, hey, mom, you know, I'd rather do the planets next year. Is there a way that you can honor that if nobody else wants to do the planets next year? Yeah, we take a family vote on just about everything we do, right down to like the read aloud that we're going to do or whatever. We brainstorm ideas. So everybody gets to put in some input. And and really, that's a great way to come up with ideas because I throw out an idea and then that reminds my son of something. And then that is a bouncing off point for my daughter. And so we're all throwing out ideas and everybody gets a chance to be heard. And we sort of whittle it down to maybe our top three And then we take a family vote and everybody gets a vote and everybody understands that, you know, sometimes you're going to lose out and the thing that you voted for might not be chosen. But we're going to remember that for the next time we need, you know, an idea. But it just gives everybody a chance to be heard. And obviously with four learners right now, we can't do four different science curriculums at once. I mean, I would just be crazy mama if I did that. (laughs) But I try to incorporate something that everybody has suggested. So for instance, this year, 
we ended up doing a, a dinosaur study the first half of the year for science. And then the second half, we're doing a Lego education, simple machines and mechanisms. And they're such polar opposites mm-hmm. on the spectrum of science. But the vote was split. And so I thought, well, we can do one semester of each. And then everybody was heard and everybody got a voice. Oh, it's a great compromise. Yeah. Well, you and your husband have recently started a ministry for fathers and sons called Truth Guards. Could you tell me a little bit more about that? Well, that was sort of birthed out of the fact that we had four boys that were following in dad's shadow, as they should be. And he wanted a resource. He went looking, my husband went looking for a resource that would just help him as he disciples his boys into manliness. And I think we live in a world that sort of wants to squelch a boy's desire to be a leader and be a man. And so my husband went looking for a resource and he came upon some that were good, but they just didn't encompass everything that he was looking for. He was looking for something that would grow fathers and sons together and unify them and really grow a passion and a love for each other. And something that would just give the dad some tools to teach him what he needs to be passing on to his sons. What are some life skills that a father needs to pass on to his sons? And and how does he go about doing that, especially if maybe he was never taught some of those Mm -hmm. life skills? And he also wanted an adventure piece, something that he could really challenge his boys to be bold and take risks and play hard and have fun. So he went looking for that and he just kind of came up dry and he decided, well, if I guess if I want this, whatever this is for my boys, I guess I'm just going to have to make it myself. And so we began to put some things together for our own sons and it sort of just evolved into this discipleship adventure club. And we thought, well, if we're doing it for our boys, we'll, we'll invite some other boys to join us. And from that it has uh, launched into a, a national club that any father and son can join up together. And it is just that. It's an adventure discipleship club for fathers and sons so that fathers can raise up the next generation of bold Christ followers in their boys. Well, that's awesome. Well, you have a website and yes. it, it is truthguards.com. Yes. And there is any kind of information there that anyone would need about the program itself, how it works, and how to get either hooked up with a group or how to start a group, correct? For sure. Yeah. And what I love about how my husband has sort of put this together is he's made it doable, I feel, for fathers of all different walks of life and abilities and stations and, and giftednesses. I think he has made it so that any father can really pour in at whatever level he's able to, to his son. Right. Well, I love this training dangerous young men of faith, because so often we ask our boys not to be dangerous. We ask our boys not to be loud, and we ask our boys not to be forward. And we really kind of, I don't know, squelch the masculinity in them, the things Mm -hmm. that make them boys. And so I love the fact that you guys are embracing that. And not only allowing, but asking boys to step out and almost be manly. Because I think as a society, we create such a padded environment for them Mm -hmm. and we do squelch that masculinity. But then we turn around later and question, well, where are all the men? Mm -hmm. 
Well, if we backtrack, we'll find that we've kind of erased the masculinity right out of them. Right. That's awesome. You guys are doing great work there. Thank you. Speaking of boys, let's talk a little bit about in your house, there are four boys. Now I realize one of them is the cute little two-year-old tyke. Um, And then your girl is your oldest. Goodness help her. (laughs) Yes, for sure. But what do you see as the differences between homeschooling boys and your girl there? Well, I think that obviously personalities are going to be different no matter what gender you have. If you have more than one child, the personalities are going to be different. But I think the difference between homeschooling girls and homeschooling boys, boys are movers and they're doers and they're, at least my boys are, they have to always be moving. And where I can just kind of hand my daughter a book and say, I'd like you to read this and she'll find a quiet little corner and go off somewhere and read. My boys have to be hands-on and doing and always moving. And even when I think about the possibility of what if, what if I ever had to send my kids, my boys to a traditional classroom? It actually saddens me to think it would be painful for them to just sit in a a desk and have to sit there for hours. Mm -hmm. It's just not in them. They're not wired that way. They have to be moving and doing. And so with that, I have to design our day in such a way that there's lots of movement. There's lots of changing of activity. For instance, we don't just sit down and read for hours and hours. We might read for a bit and then we'll do a hands-on activity and then we'll be up doing a movement activity. And they're just, they need a, a change of course more often maybe than my daughter does. You know, Andrew Pudawa has a great talk called Teaching Boys and Other Kids Who Would Rather Build Forts All Day. I have actually heard that, and it's one of my favorites. You know, that is so awesome because he talks about like the temperature differences Mm -hmm. and how difficult, how it's almost impossible to like sit up and hold, balance your body and hold it erect and listen at the same time because your ear's trying to do two different things. Yes. That is, I love that talk. It's a great one to pull out and listen to on occasion just to remind me how different Mm -hmm. and how difficult it is for my boys Mm -hmm. to do so many of the things that we expect them to do. So it's great that you have a handle. I'm a woman. I naturally think like a girl Mm -hmm. would think. And so I always have to have that in the back of my mind that my boys are not thinking the way I think, or even reacting to something the way I would react. And, and I know like, uh, for my one son who loves to move, I could tell him, you know, sit here at this table and do this, whatever it is. And I want you to sit and be still. And the whole time he might be trying his best to do whatever it is I've assigned him to, but really in the back of his mind, what he's actually thinking is I have to sit here and not move. It's actually taking, I think, more mental energy Mm -hmm. just for him to remind himself, I have to sit here and not move. I have to sit here and not move. Then if I were to just take the chair away and let him bounce if he needs to, or stand from one leg to the other, or whatever he needs to do to get those wiggles out. Get him a big exercise ball to sit on. And just be able to expel his brain cells on what he's supposed to be doing and not thinking about the fact that he cannot move while he's doing it. Yeah, I think that's one of the things and really definitely to keep in mind, I would say probably a good 95% of homeschooling is done by moms. And so I think for us as mothers to be aware of the gender differences between Mm -hmm. ourselves and our boys and how we need to almost accommodate for that is important. Mm -hmm. So yeah. 
Well, I have a little pop quiz for you. Oh, okay. You ready? Yes. First answer that comes to mind. Coffee or tea? Oh, coffee, definitely. A little bit country or a little bit rock and roll? Mm, a little bit country. Well-trained mine or Unschoolers Anonymous? Ooh, can I land somewhere right in the middle? Everybody always does. It's okay. Yeah. <laughs> early bird or night owl? Night owl. Although my husband would say I'm an early bird. I think a lot of times we mothers are early birds by necessity. Yes. True story. Craft or read aloud? Oh, read aloud. Lap book or workbook? Lap book. Co-op or stay home? Co-op. Bed made or unmade? Oh, I'm a bed made girl all the way. Bookmark or dog ear? Bookmark. Sonnet or haiku? Sonnet. Jamie, where can people find you online? Well, you can find me at theunlikelyhomeschool.com or um, all the social media channels and you can click over to my blog to find me there. Thank you so much for joining me today. It was lovely. Thanks for having me, Pam. Awesome. And there you go. I hope you enjoyed our chat today. For information about the books and links that Jamie and I talked about, check out the show notes at edsnapshots.com forward slash 12. There you can also leave a comment or question for either one of us. And don't forget, if there's someone you would like to hear on the podcast, you can leave it there or you can shoot me an email at pam at edsnapshots.com. And I want to thank everyone again who has left ratings or reviews or have shared the podcast with friends. The feedback has been great, and I'm happy to hear that you guys are enjoying the conversations that we've been having. I hope you join us for the next episode. And until then, keep on homeschooling.